0: All right, Howlers, let's get Howlin'. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content.
1: Don't be a pixie.
0: Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga.
1: Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com. And rate and review us, five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only if you don't give us five stars only we will torture you with rats and then you'll turn against humanity too and you know try to destroy a whole planet so you better give us five stars
0: and now howler pod i fear a man who believes in good for he can excuse any evil Hello, Howlers! Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising. Every episode, we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow! I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers.
1: Hello, Howlers!
0: Alright, it's character study time, Aaron.
1: Who will enter the passage tonight? The passage of our in-depth scrutiny and judgment. Will they rise above the rest and be crowned prime? Or will they fall short and be disgraced henceforth as a pixie?
0: Pixie, 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 pixie. Who are we studying today?
1: Moon Lords, part two.
0: (laughs) Part two. We've got Atlas and Diomedes.
1: The Cassius of the Rim, some (laughs) say.
0: And a really weird guy. And
1: pulls up butts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our character backgrounds.
1: Hopefully, we don't shit our suits from pulls up butts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Atlas A Ra is a gold, a peerless scarred, the current fear knight and legate of the infamous Zero Legion, nicknamed the Gorgons. He is the brother of Romulus A and father of Ajax, agrimus ah and Bellerophon, Ara. Ah Atlas was a former ward of House Loon after the original Moon Lord Rebellion. He then served as the Fear Knight until 739 PCE, for those keeping dates, when Octavia A ah loon sent him to the Kuiper Belt following the death of his friend Brutus ah Arcos, and he was replaced as Fear Knight. Following Octavia's death at the hands of Darrow, he returned to the Corps to fight on behalf of the society remnant in his Atalantia's most effective field commander.
1: Atlas is described as an intense intellectual presence. He is masculine like his son Ajax, but nowhere near as thick. He's taller and leaner than his brother Romulus, but less dramatic in posture. His eyes are wider and clearer gold. A scar encircles his neck where his throat was once cut ear to ear. His long hair is black, shot with gold, and worn in a ponytail similar to Romulus's. Uh, he's 49 years old, left handed, and walks with a limp originating from his left knee.
0: Sounds like some mind's eye shit going on there.
1: Sounds like something happened on his left side. <laughs>
0: So we know Atlas's story for the most part. We meet him in Dark Age. He uh, kidnapped Orion, tortured her, and then he, With was the trying, rats. Yeah, he was trying to return her to the Anihilo. And that's when Daryl comes in and steals her back. Uh, Atlas and Daryl just kind of like go after each other in the desert for a while. Atlas catches on to Daryl's plan, right? Uh-huh. And then sets off a chain reaction that results in the shield wall. Above Mercury coming down,
1: but wait, we have Orion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that kind of fucks everything up, and then he catches Darrow at one point and
1: and tries to butt rape him. <laughs> I say butt rape to like emphasize all the butt stuff that Atlas keeps doing to everybody. Right? He's like, put one in. <laughs> I, that's that's one of those moments we've talked about this where it's like come on bad guys like in movies too it's like kill them faster like you finally got the hero especially in the um fucking superhero movies like they're they're always like about to die and then the the bad guy has to give a big speech and then like give everyone time to rescue them right and that's exactly what happens here well in
0: those superhero movies you know they want to prove how smart they are right and in this one there's no
1: like rape
0: atlas just (laughs) wants to do some butt stuff yeah so yeah
1: (laughs) good job atlas
0: uh he also eventually catches lysander
1: he does at
0: one point and uh they have a whole combo
1: and they kind of like have an understanding right and buddy up a little bit
0: Uh, team up and he lets lysander kind of capture him or whatever and take him over to darrow's side so that lysander can get loose and cause all kinds of havoc so yeah he's he was in jail
1: and then the gorgons came
0: gorgons cut him out got
1: him out and that's
0: and then he was at lysander's triumph
1: so really um
0: that's kind of where he's at right now
1: atlas fucked up and let darrow be rescued and then vice versa so they've they've both now let each other go so next time they meet they won't wait so long to kill each other. <laughs> it's
0: going down for sure. Okay, let's go on to uh, Diomedes.
1: Okay, you almost like Diomedes almost <laughs> as much as <laughs> Han Solo, I mean Cassius.
0: <laughs> Diomedes ah is a gold, a peerless scar, the current Storm Knight of the Rim Dominion and Taxi Arcos of the Lightning Phalanx. Did you know that?
1: What does that mean, Ben? I have
0: no idea. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so for telling me. It's listed in his Dramatis Personae mm. in Dark Age. Though. So
1: maybe we will find out what that means? Or maybe I would assume it was it's
0: just like he's, you know, the top motherfucker for the lightning phalanx. He's in charge. Great. And they're doing some stuff quickly. <laughs> Fast <laughs> as lightning. <laughs> he is the eldest living son of Romulus and Dido and is the brother to Serafina, Marius, and... Various other Laras, they had a lot of kids.
1: Like seven, right?
0: Like we've talked about. He is currently serving as an ambassador to the Society for the Rem Dominion during the Solar War.
1: Diomedes is described as having shoulder-length white gold hair streaked with black. He has gloomy, narrow eyes that brood within a pale, beardless face that bears the vestiges of beauty underneath a depository of brutality. He only has one ear, his right ear, and has large lips, long eyelashes, and the rest of his face is scars and scowls and crooked <laughs> cartilage.
0: <laughs> kind of rough looking.
1: Yeah, but like ruggedly handsome, yeah. maybe. <laughs> it sounds like it. According to Lysander, Diomedes has gravitas and taciturn demeanor. He is described as an enigma somewhere between monk and barroom brawler. He shares his meals with his greys and obsidians and is never the first to speak or the last to laugh. When he tells jokes, they usually come as blunt, elliptical rejoinders, and he can be endearing, unnerving, and brutal. Kind of like when they asked him about his dad, and he said he learned not to talk so much. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we meet Diomedes initially when he shows up at that base where Seraphina is taken after, you know, she does her whole thing, gets rescued by Lysander and Cassius. Diomedes is the first person to hang out with her there. Romulus is hanging as well. And then Dido shows up. And and strips
1: off a piece of clothing every three steps.
0: (laughs) And then we get to see Diomedes skill with the razor. Or a hosta, I guess.
1: Cassius is like, oh, shit. Yeah. Because he's like, he's better than me.
0: Right. And Lysander is like in awe of Diomedes at this moment.
1: And Diomedes also gets to poke his mom with a razor, <laughs> right? <laughs> a little bit.
0: And then they all decide to, you know, go home, play nice. And he's like hanging out on Io with everybody. He does that mean thing to Lysander where he. Throws him throws outside b- the spaceship. He uh, <laughs>
1: gives him a little walk, a little <laughs> yeah. lesson, lesson in being polite.
0: That's pretty great. Uh, and then he's hanging out while everybody's figuring out that Cassius and Lysander aren't Castor and Janus, whoever they're saying they are. And he does not approve of the trial by combat or whatever for Cassius.
1: And he's very... he's. Mo- even more honor-obsessed than Lorna Argos. Right.
0: And his mom, Dido, is pissed because yes. he won't fight. And then she sacrifices a bunch of Raws. And, and she looks
1: at Diomedes like, this is your fault for yeah. not fighting and just killing Cassius right. outright.
0: But he's like, I respect Cassius because he's like me. I'm the Cassius of the Rim, He obviously. says that. And then he <laughs> yeah. says,
1: also... He, he's giving some good lines out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got great lines you about You know, we got to let him
1: keep going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so he secretly helps Cassius. He misinforms Lysander, tells him that he's Cassius is dead.
1: I wonder, let's speculate. Do you think he did that because he could tell that Lysander was going to go along with Dido's plan? And he was like, I don't think so. Let's let's keep lysander
0: i think that he did it because if lysander knew that cassius was still alive that he would continue to attempt to either free him or save him and so in order to protect cassius and both of them really he just told him that he was dead and supposedly the story we get later on in dark age is that he ferried him off to europa and was going to recover. Him, yeah to hang out there until the war was over, and then he was going to release him once the war was over
1: but somehow Cassius shows up in a really nice ship
0: well, he also escapes Europa in the Archimedes, his right. own ship, so like if Cassius is taken to Europa. Why is he why is his ship taken over there? You know? To get I don't fixed get
1: Because it speeds up really fast, remember? It's the Millennium Falcon. I don't know.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's all fixed. It's like an invisible millennium falcon now. Yeah. yeah.
1: Is it millennium or millen millennium? Millennium. Millennium. <laughs> it's <laughs> Millennial. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. It's that the
1: millennial <laughs> falcon.
0: <laughs> it's technically the Millennium Falcon.
1: Falcon, but, yeah. excuse me.
0: If you want to be like how Han Solo says it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: You Vulcan. mean you mean Harrison Ford, Han Solo? Yes. Not the new... That new guy's hot, too. They're both <laughs> hot.
0: <laughs> I actually like that guy. I'm okay with that. I it. like both of them. Yeah, he's cool. Anyway, and then in Dark Age, Diomedes is obviously the ambassador for the Rem, and he has a pissing contest with Ajax <laughs> <laughs> about being the Storm Knight, and then we don't see him again. He was looking for Seraphina in the desert. That's kind of like the last thing we, we really hear about him.
1: Well, he'll find a couple of pieces.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some entrails, maybe.
1: Yeah. All right. That's uh, Atlas and Diomedes. Character background. Quick story. Um, Let's go into the historical connections by our researcher, Heather.
0: The amazing Heather.
1: All right. Heather says, like the Greek Titan, Atlas Aura was dealt an unlucky hand in life. Rather than remaining with his loved ones in the Rim, he was forced to maintain peace with the Corps as a child warden to House Loon and later as Fear Knight to the Society, already bearing the personal brunt of uplifting a united society. The mythological Atlas partook in a rebellion against the rule of Zeus. When defeated, Atlas was condemned to forever uphold the heavens. The First Moon Rebellion could represent that original uprising. Octavia's tightening fist, as manifested through that child hostage situation with the rim, and the repercussions of insurrection, paralleling Zeus's consequential crackdown. In Dark Age especially, Atlas alone is willing to make the personal sacrifice necessary to wage a successful war of attrition against the Republic. For instance, he puts himself at the mercy of Darrow just so Lysander might rally the peoples of mercury behind him the odds of survival in that situation were slim at best yet his commitment never wavered furthermore it is atlas more than any other society operative who can claim responsibility for major military and covert triumphs and pulls up butts (laughs) (laughs) that was me Heather says he has single-handedly engineered the obsidian turn on the Republic through Xenophon and Volsung Fa, the domino effect of which remains unfathomably devastating. And while gruesome, his pulls-up-butt strategy rather effectively stunted enemy morale. Atlas has been crucial in so many aspects of the society's war against the Republic. Mirroring mythic Atlas, the absence of Atlas al-Ra would cause the entire society to crumble
0: Hmm. i like it
1: it sounds like heather is like okay with pulls up but
0: <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> she's just saying it's an effective strategy it is effective yeah we'll get some clarification on heather just to make sure she's not a psycho but yeah
1: yeah heather what's your stance <laughs> on pulls up but <laughs> to say. Just in general.
0: I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I think she's against it. Okay. Okay. So let's move on to Diomedes. Heather says, as much of Dark Age parallels the Iliad and the Greek siege of Troy, it follows that mythical Ajax was a petty prick more interested in staking claim to the armor of dead Achilles than contributing to Greek victory. In the Red Rising universe, Atalantia symbolically serves as Achilles' armor, which is ultimately bestowed upon crafty Odysseus, in this case Lysander. In the actual Trojan War, the loss of Achilles' armor drives Ajax so crazy he kills himself, which may be the result of Ajax Agamemnon's loss of Atalantia. I also discovered that although mythical Diomedes was originally allied with Ajax, fighting for the Greeks, in this case, the society, he eventually fled to Italy and made peace with the Trojans who founded the Roman Republic. This conversion from Greek to Trojan slash Roman suggests that Diomedes will cross over from the society to the Republic, especially in conjunction with the fact that he seems to be in love with that pink we met in iron gold. Diomedes is exceptionally honorable, making him... Appear space racist, but his true morals may echo those of the Republic. Thus, it's reasonable to conclude that his honor will movi- motivate him to align beliefs with actions, potentially turning the tide of the war in favor of the rising in a similar manner as Cassius was able to change the paradigm. With Darrow and Morningstar. Wow, that would just make me so happy. Throughout the second trilogy, Diomedes has been largely mute, but in his mind, gears appear to constantly turn, teasing out solutions to complex dilemmas involving morality and justice. His name is Ancient Greek for to think or to plan, so it's unlikely he'll continue to blindly support an unjust cause. That is tasty.
1: Mmm. I like that. Give me some more, Heather. <laughs>
0: That was exciting. All right, let's move on to our legacy section. Let's talk about the legacy of Diomedes and Atlas. Who do you want to start with?
1: All right, I'll start with Diomedes carrying on the legacy of his father Romulus. Diomedes is known as a great fighter mm-hmm. as a honorable man who literally is just dripping honor. <laughs> like that's just who he is right. Um, he's fair, he's reasonable, he's intelligent. And he's not like reactionary like Dido or right. Serafina. He's
0: much more calculated.
1: Yes. He's also very rim because he's not affected by the core vanity. So he keeps all of his injuries. Right. And he doesn't get a new ear. He doesn't fix his crooked nose. Um, he wears them. For the world to see that he's like, yeah, I've been through some shit. <laughs> Look <laughs> at my face. <laughs> also like his father, Romulus, who didn't have his arm. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, he could have gotten an even better arm. Yeah. Like, But he didn't get one. So they're very much the same. So yeah. it's, it's worth it to think, is Diomedes the type of gold that would be willing to move beyond the rules of the society as it is now? Right. And could he be the one to kind of wrangle in his mother and the rest of the rim to some type of agreement or treaty with Darrow? Right. And the, you know, the Republic.
0: He doesn't seem like super interested in all out war. Right. And he's also. He doesn't need
1: to prove himself. He's already a badass. Right. Look at his face.
0: Yeah. He's also really wary of the society remnant like at one point you know he's talking to lysander and he's like i know atalantia is gonna turn on us at some point um it's just a matter of when she thinks she has the advantage and so he's ready for that already and And so
1: he already has you know a challenger and ajax peeing on his coat right so why would he want to be their friend
0: we know he's a bad guy because he peed on something
1: Ooh, (laughs) he won the week
0: So he's gone into this eyes wide open. Like it's not a situation where he doesn't know what's going on or they're going to be able to really play him in any way. Um, He's obviously upset about Serafina, but I think his legacy, ultimate legacy, is obviously undetermined at this point. We need to kind of see what happens in book six and whether he actually turns. I think he's a prime candidate for it.
1: Well, the reason is because obviously he let Cassius live And restored him to health and most likely gave him his improved ship back,
0: right? Right. That's what I was wondering is like, was that story where Mustang kind of mentions what happened with Cassius, was some of that lies to protect Diomedes and what he's kind of planning to do?
1: Saying that Cassius escaped. Right. Yeah. Or maybe Cassius did escape. Either way, Diomedes still... Didn't let him die mm-hmm. un unhonorably. Right. If you will.
0: Mhm. Yes. Yeah, so right now I would say his legacy is just like as this extremely honorable character.
1: Who's good at fighting.
0: Who is an amazing fighter, probably one of the best swordsmen in the entire series.
1: We never got to see Diomenes versus Alexander. Oh man. That was one we wanted to see.
0: Right. Dude, I remember talking about that now. Yeah. Dang. Dang. We had good ideas. But yeah, so his ultimate legacy is still to be decided. Hopefully, it's as a good guy doing good stuff.
1: It'd be sad if it wasn't, but you know, it's Pierce Brown, so. Who knows? He'll probably die. He'll probably die. (laughs) (laughs) He'll probably die. Okay, Ben, what do you think about Atlas? Okay. He's kind of uh, complicated.
0: Atlas has a complicated, complicated legacy. And we've only known him for basically a book. Right. Much more than meets the eye. I think we all can agree on that.
1: Yes. Uh, He's very confusing.
0: I was doing some kind of research on him. Uh, I did read that he was, you know, he was a big reader. He was an avid historian back in the day when he was living on Luna as a ward for Octavia. He would spend a lot of his time reading in the library. He would talk to Magnus, the Ash Lord, and they would just really get into history together, I guess. They were like history buffs.
1: Do you think Heather would enjoy (laughs) those conversations?
0: (laughs) I think she would like to hang out with both of them. You know, and people thought he was really odd. And anti-social when he was on luna
1: and he wasn't like part of the social games
0: right and the so there's parties. that aspect of his uh, personality there's also the aspect of him where the way he is viewed by like darrow and the howlers they see him as just this horrible terrifying presence you know well um,
1: he leaves forests of human bodies on poles
0: so it's well-earned right right and so what i would you know push up against that i think this is kind of what heather was saying as well is it seems like the torture and the impaling and all of that stuff are just part of kind of a, a calculated military strategy or, or tactic that he uses to affect the psyche of his opponents and not necessarily a reflection of him getting like sick pleasure out of doing that to people
1: he does kind of seem though he very he cold. Seems, he
0: does se- definitely seem like, like disconnected removed. from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's it's something where he's not feeling it, but it's such like a calculated military move that he sees it as a greater good. He like even says that to Lysander at one point.
1: Right. Like, wouldn't you rather have these few yeah. soldiers impaled than have like the whole world destroyed?
0: Right, because it's gonna make the war not last as long. Because ultimately we're going to beat them faster if I use these strategies. So I wouldn't say he's like demented or specifically evil.
1: Oh, he's evil.
0: I don't know. Like, what is he up to though?
1: I don't know, but he's still, let he's torturing not just the pulls up butts people, but Orion and I don't know, like Darrow's whole MO is we don't torture people. Sure. So I think the the whole torture thing means he's probably evil.
0: It is an evil act. Like, whether his goal is evil, though, I'm not sure. He seems to have like a larger plan. He has got his own angle on this entire situation. Right. Like, what is his end game?
1: And don't forget, he also um, created the monster Volsung Fa. Right. He's letting a lot of evil spread through the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's I think that, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. And like he clearly favors the society. Yeah. But he also seems to be up to his own stuff, you know.
1: He also um it doesn't seem to be scared of Darrow and it's like he knows Darrow so well that he like knew Darrow wouldn't kill him or torture him. Right. So he like knew that he would be able to escape.
0: Yeah, he's like five steps ahead of everybody at all times even when Daryl was like trying to trap him in the desert he couldn't do it right and then Fear Knight ends up taking down the shield wall but it's like what I want to know and what continually perplexes me in regards to Atlas is what does he want? Is he out for power? Doesn't seem like it. So is he out for vengeance for the rim and the burning of Rhea? Is that like a long term goal? Does he just want anarchy? Does he just want to like turn the world into watch it burn like the Joker or whatever, you know? You
1: know Talladega Nights? Anarchy! (laughs) I don't know what it means, but I love it!
0: (laughs) That's that's the fear night maybe that's the fear night <laughs> i think he knows what it means <laughs> yeah but is it something else entirely i would say like those three things don't seem to fit for me so there's something else out there that we don't know and i think it ties into
1: i think he's just a sociopath kind I of i don't think he that has could a lot of motivation
0: <laughs> i don't know So I don't yeah, know. i'm it's not hard. convinced of that yeah yeah I I do think that he has, like, a much higher motivation. He's got a plan. He's, he's, like, clearly spinning webs in all these ways. Is it just to win the war, or is it, like...
1: Right, is he just, like, uh, winning-minded, or is he actually... He just doesn't seem passionate to me, and he also doesn't seem to have a super strong conscience about the acts that he's doing in order to win right so that's why it's like sociopathic behavior at least so you would have to
0: be sociopathic to be able to do the stuff that he does you know without the emotional response that like we talked about Uh you know
1: torturing right um yeah so what is his legacy been besides people being right scared of him and him being in their nightmares
0: i don't i just it's hard for me to say i still think i think his legacy is going to tie into all these things we don't know about lysander yet that will still be revealed about his family's death and just you have to remember also i was reading atlas's he was extremely close with octavia like lysander says she trusted atlas without equal and that was until she killed lysander's mom and dad And then she sent him off to the rim because she was mad at him.
1: Because he was hanging Uh, out with them?
0: I'm assuming because he was pissed that she killed his best friends.
1: Oh. Or maybe he was, like, plotting with them. I don't know.
0: Possibly. But it's, like, everything that he's done since then would lead you to believe that he's not plotting to, like, take the society down, you know? Unless he just is plotting to take it down and be in charge himself, which would, you know... Maybe he wants to be the most powerful person or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he really is just a sociopath in that way and he just wants to be gather all the power kind of like the Jackal did in the first trilogy. It's hard for me to say. But I really he's like he's in control of so many things. He was working with Lilith. He had the whole situation with Xenophon where he's got his double agent there. He, like you said, created Volsung Fa, And then tied that all into tearing down the obsidians. It's just, he's got all these webs.
1: He's spinning them. I'm (laughs) glad you said the jackal too, because this kind of, uh, before Abominadria's like original jackal, I feel like this could be what his future would have looked like, like becoming someone like Atlas.
0: Yeah. At this point, he's just a really scary, freaky dude.
1: He's a freaking dude.
0: <laughs> That's what I would say his legacy is, and I'm you know, terrified of him and what actions he's gonna take, but I just don't know what he's doing.
1: I wouldn't want to be um up against him. I also wouldn't want to be a Gorgon. So I kind of just try to stay out of it.
0: Good luck to Darrow. Yes. Do you think we we captured his legacy?
1: I think his uh his legacy is fear. <laughs>
0: That's a good point. That's actually like well said, because I'm terrified of him, and Fair so night. is everyone else. Why not? Yeah.
1: All right. Let's move on to predictions and fan casting.
0: Fan casting. All right. Who are we starting with?
1: Um, let's uh, start with Diomedes again. First of all, what are your predictions for Diomedes?
0: I think that Diomedes is going to duel Ajax, dueling Storm Knights. Oh,
1: wow. And Do you think... It'll be like Mortal Kombat and like lightning will like shoot down on one of them.
0: Definitely. I hope so. Finish him. I hope some thunder rolls in the background and they both like.
1: Clash.
0: Clash. And then Diomedes (laughs) kills. great.
1: Physicality. (laughs) Ben's doing like the Mortal Kombat poses over here.
0: (laughs) Then uh, Diomedes kills Ajax. And then he. Pees on him. He classic wrestling, turns over to the good guys and helps them out, turns on the bad guys. Nice. Comes over to us.
1: Classic WWE.
0: Maybe like Ajax has some good guys like trapped in a situation and Daimese like he shows sakes. up and he's like, stop.
1: That's not honorable. And then he
0: like pulls out his hosta or whatever and then they duel and he kills them and he's like, "Like, go on, villagers, you're Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm glad Pierce is writing this book. (laughs) No, it's great. I think that he and Cassius are best friends now. They hung out for a little bit. Wow. And Diomedes realized that Cassius is actually a good guy despite his family history Mm -hmm. of being core golds, you know? Right. So they're gonna meet back up. So Cassius is gonna fly Darrow away, and Daimy is gonna search the desert, get super pissed that Serafina was cut in half, <laughs> and then go like meet up with the bros. Nice. And they're gonna have like a sleepover.
0: <laughs> that sounds really cool. <laughs> Just like uh, that's okay. my prediction. That sounds really wholesome.
1: Wholesome. Yeah. They're gonna order some pizza <laughs> and play Mortal Kombat.
0: Space pizza. Yeah perfect
1: for fan casting um i chose to pick diomedes fan casting this week Mm -hmm. because (laughs) if i don't know if any of you have seen crazy rich asians but the main like heartthrob guy in that movie his name's henry golding um he's a malaysian british actor and he's a model he's fucking hot (laughs) and he's like so hot in that Crazy Rich Asians. So he's like way too pretty to be rough Diomedes. Bit, so, yeah. right. You'd have to, you know, take away an ear, <laughs> give him some scars. But he's got a, a like really nice smile. So like obviously Diomedes doesn't smile very much. But in those winning moments. But
0: when he does, it would mean he something. could
1: flash it. And yeah. you'd be like, oh, man, what a heartthrob. <laughs> He also looks really good, like, scowling. He's got some, like, nice scowling modeling And he's, shots. like,
0: really tall, athletic. Yeah, for yeah. sure. He could yeah. totally
1: be the duelist that yeah. Diomedes is. I like that one. Um, if you haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians, it's super cheesy. But, like, if you're sad and you watch that movie, like, it'll make you happy. Yeah. I don't care how, you know, curmudgeon that you are. <laughs> you can't not, like, feel good after you watch that.
0: I like that one a lot.
1: Okay, let's move on to Atlas.
0: Predictions for Atlas. Okay, so Pierce actually gave us... Did you see this on Instagram this week?
1: Uh, Yeah, I screenshot it and sent it to you. <laughs> and I was like, shit.
0: <laughs> he gave us our first look at book six. The Fear Night. Yeah, and so it looks like Atlas is going to be the subject of the prologue. It's hard to tell if it's going to be like a first-person point of view
1: we need to teach pierce how to take wide angle shots he he really didn't do a good job of cropping that photo (laughs) maybe
0: he did on purpose though i
1: think we just need to teach him how to use (laughs) this camera a little better
0: uh i'm not sure if it's going to be a first person prologue for alice or a third person do you have to remember like the prologue for iron gold was third person so it was a little different prologue for dark age was first person so not sure if we'll actually get inside Atlas's head. If we do, that would be super interesting.
1: Oh, and then we could have a whole new point of view character.
0: Right. I think he did say that there I mean, is gonna be one new point of view for book six. So. We have
1: to have one because Ephraim got bloody <laughs> <Yeah>. gold.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would assume it'd more be somebody more like Volga or Pax or something like that.
1: Well someone needs well, no, because we have Lyria with Volga, most likely. That's true. So it ne- it needs to be someone in the core probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we know what's going on. That'd be cool.
0: Other than Lys I mean Lysander will be there.
1: Lysander. <laughs> you know,
0: you <laughs> don't like those Lysander POVs?
1: No, I like them.
0: Okay, so anyway, that's exciting. We know that like we're at least going to get a look at the Fear Knight immediately, starting in the prologue of Book Six. It Do you think like. he's
1: going to cut somebody in four pieces? <laughs> Let's hope.
0: No, he's obviously going to impale somebody <laughs> in four places. <laughs> um. So, okay, here's my prediction. I think he's going to turn on Atalantia at some point
1: because she's a bitch
0: and just like dispose of her. She's going to think she's like I'm in full control of that of Atlas, I've got all this stuff under my thumb. And right when she's super comfortable and thinks that she's doing really great, Atlas is going to pull the rug out from under her and it's going to be like, oh, shit.
1: He's going to be like, stop fucking Lysander.
0: Yeah, and either he is going to like team up with Lysander and they're going to just kind of do a bunch of horrible shit together or Atlas is going to turn into his own... Monster demon himself and become a full problem for kind of everybody involved.
1: I feel like it would be hard for Lysander to turn against Atalantia because they're fucking
0: right, but he doesn't. I mean, once he kind of gets his power, he's not gonna really need her anymore.
1: He could just like push her down the stairs. Sure, is that too violent? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's too violent. <laughs> no, I think it's okay. <laughs> it's like out of a murder mystery or something. <laughs> the staircase. What do you think's gonna happen?
1: Um, I think that Atlas will remain a bad guy and probably get even worse. Once Volsung Fa and him like hook up, they're gonna both just like kill everybody be
0: impaling people and eating hearts and, and just sucking
1: and yeah. just ripping apart everybody those guys suck so i think those two are going to be the biggest baddies gotcha and that's i don't know how but at some point atlas and volsung fa in order to have my happy ending we'll both need to get what's coming and they need to impale each other and blood eagle each other <laughs>
0: converter suicide situation yeah cool. like
1: a, like a buddy murder gotcha all right nice Ben who do you think should play the character of Atlas
0: okay for Atlas I think I've talked about my affinity for the Fast and the Furious franchise Have you on this podcast previously if not greatest action movie series of all time if you're familiar with the series there's an actor. In that series, who plays the character of Han? His name is Soon-Kang, and he is awesome, great actor. He's in a lot of Korean movies, but he's most famous for being Han in the Fast and Furious franchise. Which, by the way, F9 Han lives. He's coming back.
1: What? Yes. You just can't die in that movie. I know.
0: I love it. So uh, he
1: he was, I think, too young in the Fast Furious Six but there's photos of him playing different roles where they actually show his age. He's like almost 50.
0: Yeah, he's perfect. He's 48. Yeah. The Fear Knight's 49 in dark age, so
1: Oh my god. Yeah. They were made to be each other. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and he's a really great actor, um very cerebral, so I just think he could handle that Fear Knight um kind of mysterious side uh of the Fear Knight really well, and that's who I'm choosing.
1: I like it. Fast and Furious. Let's go watch the Fast and Furious saga.
0: I'm so excited. All right. Let's move on to the Prime Five.
1: Our top five best character moments for Atlas and Diomedes.
0: I'll start with number five. One of my favorite developments between Iron Gold and Dark Age was Diomedes' uh, deadpan humor that he, I don't know, developed apparently on or the. We
1: were shown. Right. Finally.
0: Yes. I think he developed it on the way to to Mercury while hanging out with Lysander. He had to start getting some jokes off.
1: Or he got kind of like bitter after his father <laughs> walked to his death right. and didn't make it to the dragon tomb.
0: But we, we get a, a couple great jokes out of him in that early conversation with Lysander. Aaron already mentioned one where he talks about like he learned not to ramble from his father's death. Another great one that I liked was him and lysander are like flying up to the anihilo Uh and uh they're talking about how it's this amazing ship in battle and like daryl almost broke it in two one time and how it can never be taken down lysander asks uh diomedes how he would how would you board the anihilo and diomedes like stares up at it lets a couple beats hit and he just says Quickly. <laughs> 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 good plan. <laughs> so I, I just appreciate Dimes jokes. I hope we get some more of those in in book six.
1: Well, we're going to need some more humor, I think, now that Ephraim is torn apart. Oh, yeah, that's a good apart. point. We yeah. don't have a lot of humor coming in. Who's
0: going to be our smartass in We don't book. have
1: Severo. We don't have Ephraim.
0: Jeez. We don't have Clown or Pebble either because they're with Severo.
1: We don't have Alexander. Yeah. Come on. We need some jokes, Diomedes.
0: Maybe Rona can give us some humor. She's just kind of bitter <laughs> and mean, though. Angry. She's I mean, got bolts. She's got bolts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what that means.
0: <laughs> it, I know exactly what it means. Yeah. <laughs> just, sh- she's a robot. All right.
1: So. Uh, Number four on our Prime 5 is the Atlas and Lysander meeting of the minds, like the mind's eye minds. Right. We get hints in here that Atlas has the mind's eye because he knows that Lysander has it.
0: Yeah, he's got his back turned to him and he goes like, stop doing that. Yeah. Like Lysander's like mind's eye probing him or whatever.
1: And he's like, I know you're probing me. (laughs) You're poking me up the butt with your mind's eye bro
0: i can feel you probing me yeah and he's like i'll do it back
1: i'll do it i'll do it <laughs> yeah. so um we think you know obviously he was with octavia as a child and for many years so it's her very, most trusted companion for it's a very time. very plausible that she raised atlas the same way that mm-hmm. she raised lysander like right. he was her first go ahead you know on that front and then um also, let's not forget that uh, even though Atlas knew who Lysander was, he still let Lysander <laughs> be tortured. <laughs> so just just giving everyone, all of his guests, a little torture before they talk. I like
0: that he let the Gorgons torture Lysander a little bit. Also, like the reason this is one of our top moments is this is where we learn the most information about Atlas. For sure. Is in this conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, we yeah,
1: Lysander has the mind's eye probing view right of atlas
0: but then we so we get lysander not only doing his mind's eye thing but we get him talking about atlas's past and then we also get the most interaction between atlas and another character in that moment so it's like we're getting all the information that we're getting basically comes from this conversation between atlas and lysander otherwise he's just an enigma and somebody that the other characters talk about and are scared of and are ex- like extremely scared of yeah but it's so kind right, of this
1: kind of yeah it's
0: like a warped point of view and like you said it, this humanizes atlas and actually makes him into this like fully rounded character we're like what's going on with this guy
1: right he's actually human right. okay number three
0: uh so this is another Atlas moment and this is when he's in the cell and Darrow, Darrow has got him. Yeah, Darrow has captured Atlas and he is in the cell and he just has that extremely profane Latin poem that he reads Darrow
1: Thief for first thieving shall be swived but and again arrested shall be irimate
0: Swived means to basically to like fuck someone Okay and then mate means to insert your penis violently into another's mouth.
1: Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> not not your own, of course <laughs> uh, moving on and should to attempt to plunder time the third, this and that penalty thou shalt endure being both predicate and imate again imate.
0: So just some, um he's just, you know, threatening, casually threatening violent sex acts to Darrow in a Latin poem, you know.
1: It's the best way to threaten.
0: I guess. Like We need to learn more it, Latin. You might as well just like be classy about it and say it in Latin.
1: Right. Might as well. I don't know. I'm going to write it in an email.
0: <laughs> Not your next work email, I hope.
1: Nope. All right. <laughs> so... Uh, obviously, Atlas is a super nice guy. You should let him babysit your children. <laughs> uh, moving on to our number two prime five. Um, this is when Diomedes first gets introduced to us. So this is from Lysander's point of view, describing who Diomedes is, and we get to see like Cassius's reaction to him fighting and how just badass this this one guy is and how everyone around him kind of defers to him and to Romulus. Right. But like Bellerophon and Magnus, even though they're like all fighting, they still like aren't going to fight Diomedes.
0: Pandora also was like standing down to Diomedes. Right. And once again, we have these great Lysander descriptions of Diomedes. And when he walks in, um, Lysander says, the force of him is so raw, so true and uncalculating that he seems as pure as a natural element undimmed by compromise, untamed by society. He makes me feel trapped, impure and suddenly so small as I realize men like him can exist.
1: Whoa. (laughs) That's right, Lysander. You're just a little boy. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) As part of diomedes intro and kind of getting to know him we obviously have that moment where dido tells them to like take out everybody who's not dragon blood and disarm diomedes and he pulls his hosta she says disarm diomedes Kill anyone. kill anyone who isn't dragon blood Dido's men hesitate, looking to Bellerophon for confidence. He nods them forward and they move as one toward Romulus and his defenders. There are long razors held in two hands above their heads. Diomedes lifts his rigid razor to his lips. He closes his eyes and kisses the metal. Then his eyes open and the spirit behind them bears no kindness. When Diomedes moves, they begin to die.
1: Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> You're on the wrong side. <laughs>
0: What a freaking badass.
1: Yeah. If I saw some guy kissing his sword, I'd probably just not attack. Oh, I'm good. That's a sign of uh, you, you're really good at fighting.
0: If we don't get Diomedes using his hosta in book six... In like,
1: like a duel situation.
0: going to be very upsetting.
1: Also, I'm sad that we didn't really see Romulus ever fight. He just sat crisscross applesauce and let everyone else fight for him.
0: He did a little bit of fighting in Morningstar, but yeah, we didn't get to see it. Damn. He lost his arm, so...
1: He did lose his arm, so but he, I guess he wasn't fighting as well as <laughs> Diomedes. <laughs>
0: All right. What's our number one moment?
1: Uh, this is Diomedes saving Cassius and, Wha- re- and releasing him. Did it. you
0: pick this? Jeez.
1: Um, This was... <laughs> I did not type this out. I don't know who did it, but um, we... We don't know for sure that Diomedes (laughs) released Cassius, but we can assume that he is the one who saved his life and got him off of Io.
0: Right. I, just for transparency's sake, just wanted to say that I didn't have anything to do with this being the number one moment.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for being honest with me. (laughs) We'll have to check who else has access to our documents.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's move on to Prime or Pixie.
1: Did Diomedes and Atlas survive the Howlerpod passage of in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Let's find out.
0: All right, let's hear from our howlers first. So our first email is from Flynn, and he says, I think that Atlas is Prime. He's the only one of Darrow's enemies who doesn't fear him at all, apart from maybe Volsung Fa and anyone whose leg doesn't get a little wet when they come face-to-face with the Reaper of Mars, has some serious balls. He tortures and murders countless rising soldiers, but recognizes the horror of what he is doing, saying to Lysander that his father, Brutus, would call him a human stain. Atlas takes no pleasure from the work he does. He is just fighting the opposition as effectively as he can. On top of that, it seems like he sees Lysander for the little bitch that he is. Neither trying to influence him like Atalantia, nor openly hating him like Ajax, because Lysander is not worth his time. He just seems mildly amused by everything, like he's several steps ahead of everyone else. I think he could be the most dangerous enemy or a potential ally if he can cast off his sense of duty to the society. Diomedes is also prime. He's just a good cunt. (laughs) encouraging this i feel like we've encouraged this (laughs) hey you said it (laughs) one of my favorite parts in iron gold was when diomedes moved and men began to die i reckon him and darrow will have a serious scrap and then later on join forces two storm suns plus cassius would be a formidable mix i'm thinking flynn's probably australian That's what's going on here. Thank you, Flynn, for that extremely entertaining email. I feel like we have a lot of similar thoughts on Atlas and Diomedes.
1: Yeah, we're definitely on the same page. He's a cunt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But like in a good way.
1: I don't actually want to say that. He says a good cunt. A good cunt. That's very like not American (laughs) to say that. (laughs) He's a a good cunt. (laughs) What's the video?
0: He had your same idea about Darrow and Diomedes and Cassius teaming up together. I like it. Yeah.
1: Not mad about it.
0: Oh, yeah. Flynn sent us a second email. He said, P.S. Atlas also has the mind's eye, as he says to Lysander. Stop that unless you want me to do it back. And Cillian Murphy would be a sick fear Knight. Ooh, that's good. He's the dude that played Scarecrow in the Batman series.
1: Ooh, that is a really good one. (laughs) Okay, next up, we have an email from our friend uh, Daniel. He says, first off, fan casting-wise, he says Diomedes, he'd be interested in seeing a largely unknown actor. But with Atlas, he wouldn't mind either Oscar Isaac, who, by the way, if you don't remember, is in a lot of great movies, including Star Wars. But he's in Ex Machina. Mm, mm-hmm. Which gives me nightmares. That <laughs> that movie I did not realize it'd be so cringy, scary. Whoo. Like slow scary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whoo.
0: It's just weird robots, kind of uncanny valley type stuff. Oh
1: my god. And then like the I, I don't wanna give any spoilers because it's definitely worth a watch. Ex Machina. But then uh the way they end the movie, it's that's like the worst horror. <laughs> Like, you know, anyways, he he would be a great choice because especially in that movie, he does creepy really well. Right. And like broody and the smart, creepy guy.
0: He's very much like a chameleon. And he can play that enigma. Also sexy. Really well.
1: And then uh, next he says um, maybe Rami Malek, who you guys probably know from uh, Mr. Robot.
2: Right or yeah. Bohemian,
1: Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody, but think of Mr. Robot Rami. Like how fucking creepy is he in that and dark and for bloody. Atlas is what Daniel yeah saying? for Atlas
0: interesting. So I
1: like both of those a yeah. lot. Yeah,
0: he's got the really weird eyes. Rami Malik's gonna be the villain in the upcoming Bond movie. So
1: oh, he'd be a great villain. And yeah, Daniel says with Rami, I really believe he can do that intense, flat, intellectual stare that fear has. Yeah. So I agree. That's a great point. Um, And then Daniel wrote us a very long email. So for the interest of time, I'm I'm summing up here. Um, He has a lot of great points about why Diomedes is, in his opinion. So of course, Daniel says that Diomedes is the tits and that he would love to see Diomedes and Cassius join up together to take down Ajax so kind nice. of along with Ben's prediction here or hope for the future. And, and then he says that he knows for sure whatever uh, the path will be, that it will be honorable because of Diomedes and he is a blend of Romulus and Lorne.
0: Do you think that him and Cassius just really want to get in a, a shouting match? Like your honor remains? No, my, my honor no, remains.
1: My, what about <laughs> my honor?
0: <laughs> what do you know about Honor.
1: Yes. So to sum up, he's prime. <laughs> okay. Diomedes is prime. And then Atlas uh, from Daniel, he says um, that Atlas for him is the most intriguing character in the whole story, which is, I agree. I mean, maybe not most, because obviously like.
0: <laughs> You're more of a main character person. No, I was going to say,
1: <laughs> obviously, Tongueless. <laughs> Is the most <laughs> intriguing character <laughs> in the whole story, but everyone agrees with me, so I don't have to make right, point. Right,
0: right. I don't know how that could have slipped my mind. Yeah. Good one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um basically he bring Daniel brings up Asgard's prophecy um saying mm. that it says mm. the son will kill the father. So let's say that Asgard wasn't smoking berries and there's truth to it mm-hmm. um daniel says there's only two sets of relations that could fit that pax and darrow or ajax and atlas mm-hmm. so obviously pax isn't gonna kill darrow because that'd be fucking <laughs> terrible <laughs> so you know i think we can all i think summarize. there's
0: some theories out there too that um lysander might be atlas's son as well
1: okay I mean, he doesn't remember his parents, so... I don't know. We'll see. Right. Lysander, I don't know. That's hard for me to believe because Lysander, h- his hair and his eyes are so, like, pure white I gold. I agree. His,
0: like his...
1: The way he looks doesn't match up.
0: Right. But you'd think that they would be able to mess with that if they wanted to. That's
1: true. Yeah. Octavia, you know...
0: She already diddled his brain. Why wouldn't she not diddle his face?
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're getting into grandma diddling now, guys. Um, So to sum up Daniel's email, for Daniel's predictions of Atlas, he says he will defend Lysander and his fate will basically be tied up with Lysander's, mm-hmm. that uh, he and Atlas will be allies. And when the time comes, uh, when Ajax is coming for blood, Atlas will fight him, giving time for Lysander to flee. So basically Atlas will like sacrifice himself to save I- Lysander. Even with Mind's Eye, Daniel says he's not sure the fear that fear can take on his apex predator of a son. And that's his prediction. Interesting. For the future, son will like kill father. One. I do like that one a lot. Um in terms of whether or not he's prime um, after a Long explanation. We end up with Atlas (laughs) is (laughs) Proud.
0: I like it. All right. We've got one voicemail this week. Uh, This one is from Ryan in New Jersey. He's returning from last week. So welcome back, Ryan.
1: From New Jersey.
2: Hi, Pod. It's Ryan again from New Jersey. First of all, once again, I want to give a shout out to the New York, New Jersey Legio Dracone's Howler House this week, last time. I forgot to mention New York, and I feel pretty bad about that. So, Atlas is prime. If Romulus is the chivalrous Bushido Samurai Knight, then Atlas is the dread Banzai World War II-era Japanese soldier. He's the one who sneaks into the enemy foxhole at night and silently bayonets him and leaves his mutilated body there for his buddies to discover the next day. No other Olympian knight has embodied their quality more so than the Fear Knight. He is present throughout the entirety of Dark Age, but unmasks himself towards the end when Lysander and later Daryl cross paths with him. His story arc is reminiscent of the shark in Jaws, who we barely see until the end of the movie, but feel the effects of his carnage as dread creeps among the main characters. Darrow refuses to even call him the Fear Knight at first, insisting on Atlas. I believe he does this because he doesn't want to admit that he's afraid. But after Darrow sees one of Atlas's forests, he can't help but say, the Fear Knight is a sadist. And yet here I disagree with Darrow. Atlas is not a sadist, as he takes no pleasure in carrying out his grisly execution. Once allowed to speak for himself, he explains that his tactics are merely a useful tool of surgically targeted psychological warfare. Based on how Darrow slowly becomes more unhinged by his actions, it seems to be working. Much like General William Tecumseh Sherman of the Union Army during the American Civil War, Atlas seeks to destroy his adversary's will and means to continue to fight. In a way, fear is more honorable than the Reaper himself since as far as we know, the only people he has killed are enemy combatants. Darrow cannot say the same for himself. Atlas does not play anyone's game other than his own. As a brilliant character moment, Darrow recalls a memory when he first met the knight and he let his hand go limp in a handshake. It was a subtle jab at the petty politics of core society. Atlas doesn't care what you think about him. He allows you to put yourself off balance when you approach him at full strength. I have to go with Prime because I always admire a character who fights with his mind. I feel like Gorgon number one is going to be a significant player in the sixth book. As we know, his snaky tendrils are also wrapped around Volsung Fa. Last week, I said that I would like Ken Watanabe to play Romulus. I think it would be interesting to also see him play atlas sure the book doesn't say that they are twins but there's no reason they can't be and i think it would be a unique way to show the duality of house raw then there's diomedes who i'm excited for however we can't say too much about him so far diomedes talks a big game as a knight but we have not seen him fight nor have his core values challenged if he is who he claims he is then of course he's prime but right now we don't know Thank you for featuring me again on HowlerPod. us at Umrah Sumus.
1: Hey, New York Howlers. Fun fact, I lived in New York for three years. You did? I did.
0: Were you a Howler?
1: In New York? Yeah. Not. I was not yet a Howler. Wow. But I lived in Harlem and I lived in Astoria.
0: Thank you, Ryan. That was a really awesome voicemail. I loved your comparison
1: lots of great insights yeah
0: i loved your comparison to jaws for uh atlas the fear knight and like the way pierce writes him throughout dark age is he's more talked about and we just see the carnage rather than actually see him in action but Um, that's
1: because they didn't have cgi
0: that's because the shark wasn't working too well yeah it's also kind of part of the screenplay too but Nobody wants to say it. It's a better story to say the shark wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: Atlas wasn't working.
0: <laughs> I do like that comparison a lot, though. Um, I think that was really cool. I also like the part you said about Daryl not wanting to s- call him the fear knight and instead calling him by his name, Atlas. And
1: Don't give him a name, bruh.
0: That reminds me of like Harry Potter and how Voldemort. he says Voldemort and nobody else will. And everybody says he who must not be named. I thought that was kind of cool. Spoiler alert! Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a joke because everyone's read Harry Potter.
0: <laughs> is that is that a joke? It's a
1: joke. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> um. Yes. Awesome analysis, Ryan. And so you're gonna have to keep calling in now, Ryan, because you're you're sending in such great voicemails.
1: Yeah. So thank you so much to Daniel Flynn and Ryan for this week's uh, listener. Sentence. That was
0: a prime sweep, wasn't it? Every, they, they each said every, both of them are prime?
1: Prime sweep.
0: Okay, now it's our turn.
1: I, I can't do a prime sweep. I know Prom you can Prime sweep? <laughs> All right. You want to
0: do Atlas first?
1: Yeah, let's start with Atlas. Okay. The case four. He's really <laughs> um, good at scaring everybody. His um, strengths include torturing effectively. In his mind, reducing the loss of more lives through torture. And um, he also has some skills with the mind's eye. So, yep. those are good things.
0: He's extremely calculated as a military commander, extremely effective. He's probably, you know, the scariest person other than Volsung Fa.
1: And he created Volsung Fa. And he Fa.
0: created Volsung Fa. So, it's kind of like.
1: He is Volsung. Yeah.
0: <laughs> at the All end right. of the day.
1: So that's four. How about the case against?
0: I would say where our biggest sticking point is, is the whole poles up butts thing.
1: The human kebabs. Right.
0: Yeah. So. The
1: flesh forest. The
0: flesh forest of impaled bodies. Yeah. Is we're, We have a problem with that here the I Holler also Pod. have a
1: problem with um, him letting Orion get her fingers eaten by rats.
0: And in her face kind of too. And in her face. Yeah.
1: And he diddled her mind a little bit.
0: We only condone torture when it's for Lysander.
1: Like being done to Lysander? Yes. Of course. Yeah. Even then, I don't like any torture.
0: I'm okay with it. Okay. With Lysander. Well,
1: look out, guys. <laughs> Ben's okay with torture.
0: Just for Lysander.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Prime or Pixie, Ben?
0: I'm going to agree with the guys. Prime.
1: I'm going to go Pixie because... There are better ways to win a war than by flesh foresting a whole army.
0: Wow, you better sleep with one eye open tonight.
1: Well, I still have them both because <laughs> <laughs> Atlas hasn't gotten to me yet. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Diomedes.
0: I mean, the case for he's an extremely honorable, badass fighter who is who released the best character in the series back into Wild space.
1: Um, he got Mike Tyson. Who's the guy who got... <laughs> I bit? was like,
0: what are you referring to at first? And then I remembered the ear thing. <laughs> you got me with that one.
1: <laughs> so obviously he got Mike Tyson, but, you know, didn't...
0: You're holding that against him? Like his, no, I'm yeah, saying it is the a case is four. Mm, okay.
1: But he didn't uh, get his ear replaced for vanity. Right. So he's, yeah, he's not vain. He's the salt of the earth. He's not vain. Right. He's like an element, like Lysander said. He's steady.
0: Right. How do men like him exist?
1: Uh, well, they don't hang out with you, Lysander. <laughs> okay, the case against. He is a space racist. Maybe. May- possibly.
0: He's still He could be in love with a pink.
1: He was raised by space racists, but right. we know that he hangs out with his grays and obsidians.
0: He's kind of a problematic bay in that he could possibly be a space racist, but we don't know for sure.
1: We don't know for sure. He likes to hang out with his grays and obsidians and eat lunch with them. So
0: the only case against it at this point is possibly a space racist.
1: Yeah, that's true. But he
0: still likes to eat lunch with them. So, I mean,
1: that's nice. That's it's nice. Like, you know, the boss eating lunch with. The workers. What do you got?
0: Prime or Pixie?
1: I'm going to go with Prime.
0: I'm going to say Prime as well. Surprise, surprise.
1: Surprise, surprise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. You know what it's time for?
1: What are we into this week?
0: Aaron, what are you into?
1: Okay. I uh, am into music again.
0: Wow. I like it.
1: So I'm going to do a throwback. And Ben, we were listening to this, this last weekend. But I'm into Steely Dan this week. Um, if you don't know who Steely Dan is, then I'm sure you know all of their songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, they sing, "I'm reeling in the years, reeling in the years, <laughs> throwing away the time," and they sing, "Ricky, don't lose that number." <laughs> I have to dance when I sing their song, and many more. Hot hits.
0: Deacon Blues is a hot one,
1: dude. I fuck with Steely Dan. Yeah, that good. shit is great listening music. If you guys are like in charge of Spotify at a party, if parties ever happen again, then like throw on some Steely Dan, and people will be like, "Oh, yeah, hot pick, bro," <laughs> or however your friends talk.
0: They'll do that classic. Who is this? Oh
1: yeah, I love this song. <laughs> That's what they'll do. Yeah, Ben, what are you into this week?
0: Okay, I'm into a TV show. On Netflix, it's called Formula One Drive to Survive.
1: Like Talladega Nights?
0: Yes, but classier and like elite oh. and bougie. It's okay. Formula One racing. This is like international. In like Monaco
1: or whatever? Yeah.
0: Anyway, it's a sports documentary, but it's like a TV show. So uh, 30 to 40 minute episodes following the Formula One seasons from 2018 and 2019. Okay. And... Dude, it's so good. I love a good sports doc, but like the drama. There's like all this like inter-team drama where like racers drive in teams, so there's two on each team, and they like every racing team like Like in
1: the same car? It. No, they oh, okay. each have
0: their own car, but they're on the same team, but they're kind of competing for each other because the way the sport works They're always changing their drivers around and kind of everybody's a free agent and there's a lot of money flying around and all this stuff like that. So it's really cutthroat. So it's like kind of like Game of Thrones kind of political contest. At the same time, there's this really great sports subculture with all the racing.
1: So it's like classy NASCAR.
0: Yeah. And um, I just love all the drama, especially between Mm -hmm. the teams. Like a lot of the teams just like hate each other. And then the drivers within the teams usually like don't get along very well because they're competing for like the number one spot on the team. And so there's all this like petty drama between the drivers and they crash into each other on on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's really, it's really fun. Like
1: the jockeys. Yeah.
0: So it's like this great look at a subculture and even if you're not into sports or auto racing, like I'm not into auto racing at all. I love sports though. But, uh, it it like sucked me in immediately and it's such an interesting world and then they're going all over the world they're like going to all these awesome locations like monaco and you know germany and italy and right they drive uh, around
1: the streets. yeah
0: thailand and all the stuff like that it's just like really cool do they have Um, any
1: big crashes yeah oh yeah damn and
0: then there's all this great footage from like in the cars while they're racing and stuff oh so you get to see all this really cool and you get to hear them over the radio and
1: vroom vroom motherfucker
0: it's just really interesting i just like freaking mainline that series i watched it like two weeks it was so good
1: all right formula one drive to survive Mm -hmm. okay ben what's next week on HowlerPod? we're gonna be
0: doing Volga. she cute yeah
1: i'm just gonna say that the whole episode
0: get the muffins out
1: if i had a muffin (laughs) i would eat it (laughs) me too bitch
0: Bake your best muffins for this next episode, and we'll all sit down and talk about Volga together.
1: I don't think I've ever had a bad muffin.
0: Hell no. Muffins are amazing.
1: fucking love muffin. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. That's at HowlerPod. Um, email us, HowlerPod Q&A, or talk about Volga, or just send in she cute, and then we'll know that you mean she prime, <laughs> to HowlerPod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail. 1-800-516-1540. Give us your best Volga impression. (laughs) Read us a Volga line, like, from the book. You don't even have to, like, come up with your own words. Pierce Brown already wrote them down. Just send it in. Tell us what Lyria thinks of Volga. I don't know.
0: I would definitely enjoy the peeps getting creative.
1: Yeah. Let's get weird, guys. It's still coronavirus.
0: I'm definitely going to call in during Cassius and get weird.
1: (laughs) Please do. (coughs) We already have a Cassius voice, though.
0: That's true.
1: Nick Brinlow. Find links to all that at HallerPod.com. Tell a friend about the podcast and spread the word about the book. Order Red Rising on Amazon and send it to an unsuspecting friend. Rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, guess what we'll do?
0: Polls. Up. but. yes (laughs) (laughs)
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was good good teamwork we will stick a pole up your butt and leave you in a flesh forest to die with birds and shit You're eating your eyeballs die.
0: Yeah, it's going to take a while though
1: it'll take a while and you'll be like I should have given a five <laughs> stars <laughs>
0: all right thank you to heather our wise and wonderful researcher for all her hard work researching these characters and their historical connections
1: and thank you to miles for the amazing episode art for each of our episodes oh my god
0: if you haven't seen the episode art for today's episode
1: fucking tight
0: go to howler pod uh on instagram and check that shit out it's so good
1: I know. I wish we could post it on our episode pages. I just
0: want to yell about it from the mountains how good Miles' art is. It's I so love
1: good. Romulus's creepy eye. I know. It's great.
0: All right. Thanks, Howlers.
1: Omnisphere lupus. Oh.